Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast co-hosted by family law mediator Jennifer Sanders and certified divorce coach Ashley Wood. This podcast features other divorce professionals, Q&A, tips, and updated info on all things separation, divorce, conflict resolution, and co-parenting. Whether you're newly separated or divorced, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast. I am Jennifer Sanders. I am an accredited family law mediator, and I am joined by... Ashley Wood, and I am a certified divorce coach. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Well, we're here. It's another Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I curled my hair today, had a shower. I like it. My hair is curled as well. I know, looking fab. So, I mean, on on that front, we are doing (laughs) (laughs) A-OK. The hair is on point. Yeah. On point, yes. Well, I think we're doing okay. We both are working in areas where we are constantly listening to conflict. Of course, our personal lives are amazing and fabulous and perfect. So. No issues whatsoever. Yeah. Zero problems. Zero problems. Yeah. Well, we were great moms. We took our kids to bonding together. We so mommed up and we We had had like a hell of a week and we took those kids outside. We went up the hill. We were dying. (laughs) Well, I feel like you are much in better shape than I am. So when I saw you huffing and puffing, I was like, okay, this is all right. (laughs) I was sweating halfway up the hill. This hill is no joke. Yeah. It's deep. It's like, it's, it's all the way up. Yeah. So I have three girls. You have a daughter as well. So we had the the four posse. You know, mine are older than yours. So mine were whipping down in their toboggans. And then I think my oldest took yours once. He is an angel. Yes. They- All three are <laughs> angels, I should say. But yes, the oldest for sure was allowing me to stand and really not do much parenting at all. Well, well I was too. I was like, you guys go. There was no way in hell I was going down that. Yeah, we took you um, here. Now we're done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We came up. So she, my oldest, took yours down once. They bit it at the yeah. bottom of the hill. And then what did your daughter decide was her um, method now? And then she decided that she was basically a pony and was using the toboggan as sort of her chariot, I suppose you would say, yeah. and was running down the hill holding the toboggan behind her and inevitably each time she would hit a bump or stumble and fall back into the toboggan and then proceed to cruise down the rest of the hill every single time well that's the funny thing is that she kept on doing it she did it like five times yeah she loved it and never thought like I should go in the toboggan and just from the start Yeah, it was good though. I thought it was going to be a complete disaster because after they ate it that first time, I remember she was like, mommy, I want to go home. I want to go home. And we were kind of like, go make snow angels, go (laughs) do something. So I didn't think that was going to last. And luckily, yeah, this game of, you know, run down the hill. That was a real good. Yeah, it was a steep hill. Yeah. And then we were kind of just, yeah, we weren't about to crawl down the hill to get them. So it was kind of like, figure it out. Like, (laughs) <laughs> and then, well, the one time 
I'm another parent help. <laughs> and it was that, well, I was, I was experiencing intense feelings of shame and you, and I kept saying, should I, should I go down there? Should I, should I say something? Should I yell something? You we were like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I know. Well, it's also the difference. Like I have about like your, she's two and a half. My youngest is nine. So yeah. I'm just at the stage of like, I don't care. Like, yeah. I, like as long as there's no broken bones, which I've had with them. Yeah. Figure it out. Right. This is my time to like sip a coffee and chat. So, well, you have different problems now. Cause your problems were, you know, your kids were wanting to go head first. Yeah. Okay. And- true. And, and yep. we had just gone over, you know, cost of braces and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's truly, honestly, with a lot of these activities or if they're playing like rough in the house or something, it totally boils down to like, I don't want to have to go to the ER. Okay. Yes. That's a long wait time. <laughs> I probably got to drive to the children's one in Hamilton. It takes yeah. a long time, which I've had to do. Just don't. So when I see behavior, right, yeah. it's like, this could result in a hospital trip. No. <laughs> I'm not doing it. so. That's my thing. Is not I don't... disrupt our already overloaded schedule. Yeah, yeah. Like with your BS. No one wants to do that. Yeah, I've already had broken elbow and all these different things. So like, no, we don't want to do that. Yeah. So yes, we tired. I love it when you put in the mom effort and then you go home. We took them out for lunch and then you feel like okay, but I've put in my time for the day. Yes. Now it was a good time. Mom. TV, movies, I don't care what <laughs> for the rest of the day. <laughs> With no guilt, right? Like, no guilt, I know. Yeah, <laughs> so we we did it. It worked well. And and no hospital trips. Everyone was okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So today we are doing an episode, you and I, chatting about high combo people. So this will be a two-parter. And we'll go into that in this episode about how we're going to kind of break that up and definitely lots of nods to our friend, Bill Eddy, lots of contacts or uh, references to his book. Um, and he's so well known for having scripts and advice on how to actually handle these topics. And so that's what we want to do, particularly in part two, lots of practical advice and tips on how to handle these types of situations. Mm-hmm. And I just want to reference quickly too, if you missed the Bill Eddy episode, the um, yeah. focus on ear statements, and you really like this episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to calming upset people with ear. I think it's episode 32. I'll reference it in the show notes. Perfect. Highly recommend you go back and, and listen to that one um, because he's got some really great strategies for how to deal with these hung high conflict personalities, which we will talk about in part two, but go check out that episode as well. Yeah. He, and again, I, I that episode is so great. He spent such a long time with us and just get just packed with practical info. Yeah. Goat vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. We hope you enjoy this episode and we really appreciate feedback about it as well. today we are talking about high conflict personalities, high conflict personality types, high conflict behavior. And this is a really nuanced discussion. So we're going to do it in two parts. And today will be a lot about what these behaviors are, how to recognize the behaviors. And then in a second part, then what do we do about it? How can we resolve them? So a lot of the new ones, I think there's so many different facets to this that you and I have talked about is that 
we want to be able to recognize these behaviors. That's really important. But sometimes people can be too quick then to also label someone and kind of then write them off, which is really to their detriment. Because when you do that, you are writing off someone that you maybe could negotiate with and could resolve some conflict with. Yeah, and I think people are very defensive um, Mm -hmm. and then they, you know, they need to focus on addressing the problem instead of just being in opposition to it Mm -hmm. uh, because it just becomes, you know, their word against the other person's word and they're not actually addressing the real root issue, which oftentimes if there are children involved is like safety of the children and the what's in the best interest of the child. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden we're talking about how, you know, your ex is an alcoholic and they drink too much. And that's not, even though that's a problem, it's not the root issue. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Then other things got avoided and really to recognize your own part in something, which is what I do hope people do today as well. Recognize like if this might be some of what you are doing yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, but that takes hard work. Like a lot of times people can't really do that without therapy, you know, to really dig in and recognize probably would have been very long standing patterns. Yeah. And I will say as a coach, probably almost all of my clients who are in very truly high conflict situations where there is a lot of negative behavior on the other side through our work together at some point or another, we do uncover something that's happened in the past and, oh, that's, that's not the outcome that I wanted. And I may have actually done a couple things along the way there to have you know, exasperated the, the issue, like you just said, you know, every, it, it right. does take two to tango, even if you are dealing with some really negative behavior on the other end. So do you think people are able in your experience as a coach, then are they able to, there's sort of just start to pick at that, like access that when you sort of talk about what the situation was, or do you need to, do people kind of need it pointed out to them? I, I think that, um, you know, some of the questions that I ask is, you know, let's, let's rewind the story of a particular instance that happened. And what were you feeling in that moment? Because the feeling then leads to the thoughts and the behavior that, that follows or the thoughts and the feelings then lead to the behavior. And we've talked about this a lot, you know, making very long-term decisions based on short-term emotions. So often when I ask, you know, what were you feeling? Sometimes it's anger. A lot of the time it's fear. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I was scared about what was going to happen to the kids, or I was angry about this new partner. And we had, you know, we had a handshake that we were going to introduce the partners to one another before the kids. And then the next question is, okay, so you were angry or you were scared. And then what action did you take? And, you know, I did this or I did that, or I sent rage texts. And is that in line (laughs) with how you would typically handle, you know, another stressful situation when you're more in your best self type of mindset? Right. And and at that point, the person's able to say, you know, I went off the rails, but, you know, I feel like I had every right because he or she, they were were being a dick or they lied or whatever. And it's like, yeah, they did do that. But we also need to acknowledge your behavior because you're trying to get over here, but you're really over there. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you want to be? Yeah. What are your goals? And 
yeah, where do you want to be? And then again, there's a nuance of like, okay, are they behaving like that all the time? Or was this right. almost like a reactive abuse thing after, you know, a ton of stuff from the other person? So yeah. Yeah, but- totally. That's a really good point. I think we should just like touch on that really quickly too. Mm-hmm. I will say anybody that I'm working with where there has been a history of abuse, I think it's so important to you know, I know you're probably short on time during this process, but to be working with a therapist, a mental health professional, so that when something is happening present day, you're not, you're, you're emotionally in the present. You're not in the past of something that happened two years ago, or you're able to at least acknowledge like, okay, this is triggering something that happened. Yep. You know, and, and I have fears about that, but separating those fears from what's happening today yeah very good point. which is hard like it's obviously yeah. much easier said than done but at least being able to recognize that so that you're not making all these big potentially life-changing decisions based on that emotion yeah no so, yeah very good point and again so many layers to that that might yeah having a professional would be necessary to kind of pick that apart a little bit and and work with someone there I think that the reactive abuse too, it does happen all the time and people, it is something I've started reading more about it myself too. And it is very interesting because yeah, it's after years of a lot of emotional abuse that sometimes we do react in ways that are outside of ourselves or not our best self or what we would want, but yeah, still have not even really realized the reason behind it. So Yeah. And then, I mean, once you're able to acknowledge that, I think it's easier for people to switch from their immediate sort of flight, fight, or freeze response to Mm. problem solving, because maybe there was a history of abuse and maybe there is a potential real threat of abuse between the other parent and your children. But just sitting there and saying, they did this, this, and that they are a bad person that doesn't help you move forward you know, if you're in court or even in in mediation. So the switching to the problem solving is, you know, these are the concerns. These are my suggestions. These are some steps that we could take. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You're not, yeah. yeah, You're not just labeling someone. It's limiting of what you're going to be able to accomplish or get at what, like you were saying, what the core issues really are. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I think I'm derailing us because that's no, more it's all well that's part, what I but... said when I started like this topic is it's like I'm peeling the onion, right? Like there's yeah. so many layers to it. And I think that we do a disservice if we are just focusing on if you see these behaviors, this is a high conflict person, avoid them, yeah. right? Because it some of it might be you, some of it might not be um a high conflict person but they do have some of those behaviors which we can still get at as well so I think yeah the nuance is really important I do want to say that a lot of what we're going to talk about today and in the second part episode is um a lot borrowed or played on uh, Bill Eddy's book five types of people who will ruin your life and he talks about I love the title he talks (laughs) (laughs) specifically he calls them high conflict people And so some of what I'm talking about today is from that. And I have also my own uh, notes as well. And then as well in part two, we'll talk about some things from that book. So a high conflict person, he doesn't really, he talks about some personality disorders, um, borderline personality disorder, uh, sociopath disorder, and narcissistic personality disorder. 
I also feel that a high conflict person can often be caused by substance abuse. So I think that's a piece that I've seen in my practice, that if someone is addicted to a substance, they're also not acting in a way often that you can reason with them. Um, you know, they're focused on their addiction, they're focused on sort of maybe survival mode, um, extremely selfish behaviors, and might literally sometimes in mediation be high or, yeah. you know, be drunk or be coming off of being high or being drunk. So I think that if you're dealing with someone who, who really does have an addiction, um, that is another reason uh, why they may be in this high conflict mode. And it's important to recognize these types of people. So because reasoning with them and getting out of conflict is going to look very, very different. You essentially can't really reason with them. So typical um, sort of uh, alternative dispute resolution methods and things that we would use and little tips even that we would give about, you know, how to keep things low conflict. It's not really going to work and it's going to continually just have that conflict fueled um, over and over. So it's important to know that so you can get some distance. And a lot of times we're going to talk about is about minimizing communication and, but there's specific ways of dealing with someone like this. And again, we want to talk about it that people can maybe recognize some of their own behaviors too. If they are exhibiting some of these behaviors, then, then that's important. And yes, definitely want to say as another caveat to this, that if this is uh, abuse in terms of, you know, physical abuse, or you are unsafe, that needs to be the priority, not trying to figure out this person and figure out how to minimize conflict. So we always want to say that for people to be safe. So a couple of things, some of these are from Bill Eddy. So one of them that he says is that a high conflict person, if you look at their life, you're going to see a pattern of increasing conflict. You don't ever see this person de-escalating situations, working with people. Conflict is always increasing around them and it's in a variety of situations. So it's not just, they hate their job and they're always blowing up their boss. Yeah. You know, it's, they're yelling at you. They're yelling at the kids. They're freaking out when they're driving. They have conflict with friends, coworkers. Like that is just who they are in multiple different situations in their lives. Because of that, if you look at their life, they often will not have close friendships or lasting friendships. They will have a lot of broken relationships in their family um, and often a slew of broken uh, romantic relationships, a history of those relationships, because they're just not able to maintain them without conflict. Mm -hmm. So we all know people like this. I know some people. <laughs> it's, it's one of the things when you um, see online, these little memes and stuff about dating, that's a red flag, right? Do you have friends? Mm -hmm. How do you talk about your family? Um, so I think that's, yeah, that can always be a marker. If the person, if that person is the common denominator of, of all this conflict. Yeah. Yeah. It's just dumpster fire after dumpster fire. Yeah. Essentially when you look at their past and yeah. Their, yeah. So everyone's got issues. Everyone has things that happen to them, but yeah, it's not just circumstantial. Like I said, they have a bad job or they ended up getting with one bad ex or something. It's, you know, continual conflict. So really looking at that and Bill Addy talks about someone who handles something in a way that 80% of people wouldn't. 
So I think what yes. he's right, what he's getting yeah. at is kind of, you know, if you look around and you're in a party or you're at work or whatever, and there's just that one person and their reactions just seem out of line. They seem to be taking things differently. Um, then that's an indication that you're dealing with someone that has some issues. <laughs> there's a general term we can say. Yeah. And I think intuition has like your gut feeling, ah, yeah. your body often knows. And I think sometimes we ignore that or, you know, well, we'll just see, make excuses. But yeah, I think most often, you know, yes, <laughs> you know yeah. something's not right. Yeah. And temper sometimes in, in terms of that dating, if someone is in a dating scenario where you're just meeting someone, they will be on their best behavior for a while. Yeah. So that intuition becomes important because sometimes you see little cracks. So yeah, if you see, okay, you know, they don't talk to their family, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I've seen some temper, like, yeah, that's where that intuition definitely comes in. Um, sure. Blaming others is another one. So someone who it's never their fault. It, there's always an excuse. There's always a reason. Um, for that reason, they're unable to apologize, or if they do apologize, it seems that it's not really coming from a place of remorse. It's kind of what they're robotically doing to get out of the conflict. Um, but again, they, they don't see their role or in some, with some personalities, they are unable to see their role in the conflict. They sort of are these tortured souls going around in this conflict and not able to see how they are actually causing it. Yeah. So that would be another one. And that for me is something that I have always, um, you know, be unsure about. I think that there are definitely some people in this world that consciously cause conflict and create issues and know that they're doing it in a manipulative way. But I think a lot of times people are just very, I shouldn't say just, people are troubled, whether from a mental health issue, a disorder or substance abuse. And they do kind of go through life with this ball of conflict following them. And I don't think they want it, but they also don't know how not to have it. Yeah, for sure. And I also, I, I think there is like, just on this topic of blame and zero accountability, the term gaslighting, it's like uh, the new narcissist on yeah. Instagram and TikTok. And I think it's really misunderstood. So like Gottman, uh, Dr. John Gottman, he talks about the four horsemen, criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. Mm -hmm. We all do these things in our relationships. That doesn't mean that we all have personality disorders. So yeah. if you're in an argument with your soon to be ex or your co-parent and you're saying, you know, I felt really upset about da, 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 da. And they say, well, that's not what happened that they're, they are not necessarily a high conflict person. Yeah. They may just, you might just have issues communicating at that point. And so you might just need to have further conversation and be again, focusing on the root issue and moving forward and using different skills that we can talk about in the next episode. But I just, I, I think it's important to note that, you know, we all sometimes minimize 
other people's feelings when we're feeling defensive and we end up being critical in return or judgmental. That doesn't, that's separate from someone who is constantly avoiding accountability. Because like you said, in most cases where there is a real personality disorder, they, they don't see it. They really don't. It's, it's, they have a different narrative in Mm -hmm. their mind. And Mm -hmm. that's what is so frustrating is, and what we said, you know, and kind of touched on earlier is you can't use that strategy of trying to reason with them because there is no reasoning when to them, the sky is purple Yes, and we all know it's blue. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's where that gaslighting will creep in with that type of person, right? That then it shifts from, so if you are having a conflict they avoid blame, it then shifts into being angry at you. So not only saying, I didn't do this, it wasn't me, here's a thousand excuses why it was everybody else. Mm -hmm. And now how dare you be upset about this issue, right? So that, yeah, we will see the gaslighting happen. Yeah. Versus just, you know, I didn't see it that way. Yeah. That's a different conversation. Yeah. Different. Yeah. 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 Gaslighting is one of these terms that definitely gets gets overused and it's it's too bad because it does happen and it's a very real part of emotional abuse um but as i'm sure you do yeah i hear it misused all the time as well The divorce journey can bring with it an emotional roller coaster of challenges. Whether you are navigating co-parenting, a high conflict ex, dating after divorce, or more in this new chapter, it's totally normal to feel overwhelmed and at times really lonely. That's why I'm excited to tell you all about Circles. Circles is an emotional support platform that connects you with a small group of others who are going through divorce in a safe online space. Guided by mental health professionals, Circles meet weekly in group video meetings and provide support in a 24-7 group chat. And guys, at $79 a month, that's less than the cost of a single therapy session. You don't have to go through this alone. Support is available. Head to circlesup.com and use promo code SPLIT2022 to get the first month free and join your circle today. So another one he talks about is uh, black and white thinking. So someone, a high conflict person is really unable, they see things in absolute. So they love someone or they hate them. There's no kind of um, friendship in between. They can't really negotiate. It's going from one extreme to the next. And I, I see this in mediation sometimes where, you know, they want everything And then when the person tries to negotiate, it's like, fine, then you take everything, right? Fine, forget it. I'll just go live in a box. You take it all. (laughs) So there's no- It's funny, but it's so true. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. And some people, they seemingly can't see that, hey, there's a medium here. Like there, we can work this out. They do see very much things as like, I win or I lose. Yeah. And in relationships, you'll often see this with them as well. There's no in between. Um, this was not in Bill Eddy's book, but I've read this before that someone with this type of high conflict personality, because of this black and white thinking, they are really unable to have just friendships for having a friendship. It's friends that they can use for something or yeah. for status. 
And so it's very all or nothing. So they might have this friendship and they're all about that person in their life and then they'll just drop them. Mm -hmm. So again, that black and white, um, if that person, and similarly in a relationship, if that person brought up a conflict or had an issue or yeah, did something that was out of line, um, according to that person, they would just end the friendship. They would, they don't really, um, have sort of those in-betweens and often uh, along with that black and white thinking as well, that's where we see jumping very quickly into relationships and, all of a sudden, you know, being in love and moving in and all these things, there's no in between of getting to know someone and dating someone. And that's where we also see, um, for example, you know, a man being unable to just have a friendship with a woman. It has to be like getting something out of it. Um, there's no in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that I see in a high conflict person is not ape so having their version of reality or their version of the truth which may include just outright lying but still interpreting things according to that version even when they have the truth so even when there might be emails to the contrary or myself as a mediator is saying well that's not you know what I have in my notes from last time or that's not what you discussed last time they they still just revert to their version of events, um, which of course can make it impossible to try to get ahead in a conversation with someone who's doing that. Yeah. And that's really scary. I mean, if you're not in mediation and you are going through the court system, I mean, the lengths at which some of these people are willing to go with their own narrative and their false allegations, um, in certain situations, you know, it should be innocent until proven guilty, but oftentimes I think it's the opposite. Yeah. 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 And we'll talk about in the next episode about that's where like having records can become really important, even for your own sanity mm-hmm. too. <laughs> when someone's denying something that, you know, okay, no, I have this written down here. Yeah. That's a really good point. And having a, having your, you know, a circle of support for yourself, because Mm -hmm. if there has been a history of abuse and true gaslighting, you do question yourself and your version of things when someone is so adamant that they, that whatever it is, is that way you do question yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So having, having people around you who can kind of keep you grounded is so important, but anyways, episode two, it's episode two. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that. No, but, and that's another good point where you were talking about intuition, but in, it kind of goes along with that of recognizing these personalities that if you are always feeling unsettled Mm -hmm. in the relationship, right. And kind of questioning yourself, am I crazy? Like I, I keep on trying, I think I'm doing everything I can to keep peace here. And we still are having conflict that's probably a very good sign um, that this is the type of person you're dealing with. Yeah. That walking on eggshells feeling. Yeah. Never knowing, always kind of treading lightly and not knowing, you know, am I going to say or do something that is going to make this person explode? Yeah. And I love that you use that because the book that um, the five types of people who are ruining your life, the foreword is by Randy Krieger. And she has a famous book called Walking on Eggshells. She deals a lot with borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really what it's like living with that type of um, personality. So a lot of her work is hand in hand with, with Bill Eddy's. 
Highly recommend both of those books. Yeah. Just, you know, anybody, you don't have to be a divorce professional to get a lot out of the, both of those two books. And, and what they're both great for, they're both very practical. So very, Mm -hmm. very much like, here's what you should do. Here's what you can say again, those scripts. So yeah, absolutely recommend. And there's a workbook to go with uh, Randy Krieger's book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, another one would be, Billy lumps this one as just unmanaged emotions. So it's a bit more general. He's saying some people in this group, that's where you're going to see that outward yelling, anger, temper tantrums that seem really out of proportion. So again, if you're you know in a group of people, they would be the only one acting in the way that they do. Uh, No one else seems to be upset about things that they're making an issue of it. Uh, And they also don't seem to see why it's a problem that you're not upset or that, or that they're upset. They just think that makes sense for them to be upset and don't see why their anger would be upsetting to others. And then he also does say though, sometimes it's not overt of losing the temper, but they will do things to upset other people. So, you know, this might be a situation, I, I sort of thought of an example where if you're working with someone and you outright and clearly are explaining to them, when you do this, it's very upsetting to me. It's very triggering to me. And they just keep doing it. Yeah. So they know that that is pushing a button and that's why they're doing it. They're doing it mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So that would be an example of that. And then I had, you know, some other ones that I think are again, more sliding into that category of high conflict behavior. Um, Certainly we would see it from someone who's a high conflict person, but if you have any one of these, especially when you're going through a separation, which is going to be a very high conflict time anyway, a very emotional time, Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that you're dealing with this type of personality, but just some things, again, that you might recognize or to recognize in yourself is really important too. So for me, one of them is um, a predetermined outcome. So kind of goes along with that black and white thinking. So coming Mm -hmm. to an argument and just being unwilling to negotiate anything else. This is what I want. And if I don't get it, I'm not going to be happy. Like my way or the highway. Yeah. Yeah. My way or the highway. So a predetermined outcome. In mediation, if someone is saying that and they truly are unwilling to negotiate, we actually can't continue with mediation because there's nothing to discuss. And that would be a power imbalance of someone saying it's my way and everyone else has to kowtow to it. So Mm -hmm. you have to be willing to talk about things. The other one would be uh, not negotiating in good faith or not having arguments or discussions in good faith if you're in a relationship. And that can mean a lot of different things. I think most commonly is that feeling you feel like the rugs pulled out or that in Charlie Brown, when they're holding the ball, Lucy's holding the ball and they keep on pulling it away because you, you have, you put your emotions into this discussion with someone. You think that you're in a good place. You think you've been heard. And then the next time you try to address it, it's like, it is all out the window. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this might be where they're going back to their uh, predetermined their understanding of events, even though you've already explained that's not what happened. Um, so you just kind of feel like you're always starting over again, um, with this person. And so you, you can't get anywhere because when you're trying to negotiate, you're trying to get through a discussion 
you don't know. It's not in good faith. You think you're making agreements that you are sticking to, but the next day or the next week, they might change your mind. And do you think that that's because the person at that point, whether they have a personality disorder or is just really entrenched in like a high conflict situation, unable to manage their emotions, that they're not focused on the solution. They're just focused on being in conflict at that point. Yeah, I think it that, yeah, there could be so many reasons for it. I do think you can definitely tell when people, yeah, they're not interested in a resolution. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem to actually phase them. They're mm-hmm. kind of right. Whereas a lot of most people come in pretty desperate for a resolution and really willing to do a lot to get some peace. Do you hear, um, I mean, depending on the person's financial resources, but have you, have you heard this where there is that imbalance? The one person's trying to come to resolution. The other person is, you know, just keeps doing that, pulling the rug out from under them and, and going back to their own narrative. And then does it come down to them saying something like, well, I don't give an F you know, I'll just hire, if this doesn't work, I'll hire an attorney. Yeah. yeah, And I don't care if it costs, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or $200,000, sort of that win at all costs mentality. Yeah, absolutely. I had a client once there was, they were only a part by $5,000 and he said, I will spend 50 not to pay five. Wow. So it just, um, now we ended up figuring it out, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there, there's people that I don't know how to explain it, but well, I'm sure you see it as well. It's just how they approach um, the mediation, the added, the overall attitude they have. They don't seem invested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conflict doesn't seem to emotionally upset them, right? right. That there's not like the empathy and the remorse for what's happening. Um, they even don't seem to really care how it's affecting the kids Mm -hmm. or, you know, see those lasting things. We often set goals in mediation and sometimes again, not often, but sometimes that person, they're not interested. They don't really have a goal in terms of wanting to co-parent or, you know, have a decent relationship to maybe have holidays with the kids or whatever. People say a lot of different things. They don't care. They're just like, I want to be done. I want to be divorced. I don't care what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are the types of things that, that we see. Um, should, I don't, I don't know if this is kind of jumping into, uh, the second episode or not. So just pump the brakes on me and tell me to stop okay. if, I, if I am, but is it also important to note that sometimes there are other players in this situation? Um, for example, attorneys who are the have are causing and ramping up the conflict and may actually have high conflict personalities as well. Yeah, I, I don't I know that's kind of an extreme accusation, but I, I know with the clients that I've worked with who uh, like have had certain attorneys where the client is coming to me and saying like, something doesn't feel quite right here. And I'm really, I don't agree with my ex's behavior. I know like that, you know, they've done some wrong things, but I don't think they're the world's worst parent. And now my attorney is kind of, they're the one who has this win at all costs. And they're Mm -hmm. saying things like, well, you know, what kind of parent would do the things that 
this person did. And when I'm hearing my attorney, my client saying, you know, when I'm hearing my attorney say that, you know, it makes me think maybe I should believe them and they're in a position of power and I'm not familiar with the legal system. I don't want to make a mistake, but also I know my ex and I have seen them be a good parent in all yeah. of the other ways. And so I'm not sure that I want to go for, you know, full decision-making and way less parenting time. This yeah. just doesn't feel right. And I think that's another imbalance of power, even just between the attorney and, and the client. Yeah, that, I think that's an excellent point. And so, or it could also be misconstrued because of the attorneys. I see this a lot where just because of the legal system, the conflict has just gone on and on and on for years. Um, I have clients sent to me from attorneys. They've been with them for four years trying to settle, you know, these disputes and neither one of them is actually high conflict, but because of the lack of communication and the way it keeps going on, right. Either one of them probably is pointing the finger at the other saying they love to fight. They're keeping this going. It's not actually the two of them. It's the lawyers. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I was listening to a podcast this morning and they had a uh, a retired judge on and the judge was saying in the, those types of situations the the judge would often say, okay, I, I've got it. You know, you think this, your ex is terrible for these 10 reasons and you think your ex is terrible for these 10 yeah. reasons. What are the solutions? Yeah. And yeah. both parties are like, oh, you know, because I think some people go to court just thinking like they just want the judge to make a decision. Yeah. And I know that they will in certain cases. But yeah, like you said, it just gets they get so stuck on miscommunication and just blaming that there's mm-hmm. no focus on what are the solutions here? Where can we meet? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What are we going to yeah. do about it? Yeah. yeah. And it seems so funny that if you're going through something for years and years, you would really try to figure that out but I think sometimes unfortunately people well I know that people are expecting that their attorneys are doing that and that's they're expecting they're always acting in their best interest and perhaps in the legal system they are um but in terms of resolving conflict that's not actually their job so right they're being your advocate so it's not necessarily that the attorney is terrible or right acting with poor intentions but there's maybe perhaps become so focused on being your advocate that they're not really advocating for a peaceful amicable situation moving forward yeah Yeah. they're just yeah they're just continually fighting themselves so that's a good point it could be the lawyer's high conflict personality (laughs) not to your own or your exes yeah very good point um another one would just be an inability to communicate or allow you to communicate. So this person is just yelling, screaming, hanging up the phone, slamming doors. Um, You are not able, like steamrolling you in conversations. So if you're trying to talk, they're yelling over you or insulting as you're talking, clearly not listening either on the other end. So you just know you're not being heard. So literal lack of communication happening. Mm -hmm. would be another high conflict um and then of course I mentioned it being verbally abusive so often in those when you're trying to communicate you're being insulted even like really biting sarcasm constantly you know hashing things from the past again all of these things mean that no actual communication is happening no exchange of ideas like nothing is happening in that scenario and that's where people can feel really, really drained that if, again, if you feel like you're in this situation where 
you're having these two hour long talks, arguments, discussions constantly, but you never feel like you're getting ahead. Mm-hmm. That's where you may be dealing with this type of person because it's just going off on all these different tangents rather than being able to actually communicate about the issue. Yeah. And, and then finally, what we would see is again, would be that power imbalance. So what I would see in mediation is, you know, some threatening behavior. So, well, if I don't get this, you know, then I'm going to do this, which would be some, you know, outlandish thing. I've seen people threaten, you know, not to pay child support, um, or just to make things very difficult in terms of uh, moving out of the matrimonial home. They've, they've looked at the situation and figured out how they can kind of legally find some ways to cause problems. Um, so that power imbalance of threatening. So you're, again, you're not negotiating good faith. You're not trying to find a resolution. You don't actually want to get peace. It's just, I want to get what I want. And if I don't, then, you know, I'm going to do this or that. Yeah. Those declarations of outcome, like I'm going to take the kids and you're never going to see them, or I'm going to make your life a living hell. You know, wait till, wait till everybody sees who you really are and yeah. then they proceed with their smear campaign. The campaign. Yeah. Yeah. And those the three you just listed are the most common ones that I hear. That's what people try to do. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I think that is what perpetuates the person who is, we'll say not the problem or less of a problem. I mean, if you hear someone saying, I'm going to take your kids away, yes. It goes to that, that anger and that fear. And if you're acting on that, then you are part of the problem. Mm. Unfortunately, I mean, I don't want to blame this is none of this is to blame the victim in an abusive relationship. It's just, and I know we'll talk about this in the next episode, but that's where I think that's where positive change can happen is if you are able to not be emotionally reactive, which is again, much easier said than done. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, if you want those goals and those better, you know, better outcomes, which yeah, might include your kids or whatever, then it's all, it's, it can be really hard work. Mm-hmm. I think a lot, you know, we touched on this in the beginning as well. A lot of times people who are involved in relationships that have this high conflict person. So if you are continually, you know, enduring this constant blame, always in conflict, the black and white thinking, all of these things in your life, you are emotionally abused and you are depending on the level of that you absolutely are going to need help to be able to even recognize it um right because you might still be in a mode where you're making excuses for the person you're not actually realizing how bad it is Mm -hmm. and you still think that you can reason with them and you which is why probably why you stuck around for all the years that you did that's why it's so complicated yeah hundred percent. And I think on the flip side of that too, where it's maybe not necessarily full on abuse, it's just, you know, people not acting in in the best way possible. You get stuck in your partner brain. So you get stuck in trying to reason and get the other person to agree with you. But when you are coming out of your role as partners to co-parents, you don't need the other person to see things your way in almost every aspect. Like you can come to some form of compromise as long as, you know, everybody is safe. And if there's children involved that your kids are safe and there's a plan, you can work on strategy and 
problem solving as opposed to getting them to see things from your point of view. Because yeah. honestly, if you've chosen to split, then that doesn't really matter yep. anymore. And I Very think people point. get stuck in that. Yeah, that they have. Yeah, excellent point. You, you now get to disentangle, you get to set some boundaries, you get, you know, you're not going to bed with this person every night and having to parent in the same house with them. So you get to start to set these boundaries. So we hope that with this episode, people will be able to just consider all of these different characteristics. If there might be a high conflict person that you're dealing with, you might be exhibiting some of these things to further conflict. And then next time we will talk about ways that we can communicate with these types of people and to minimize conflict, allow some communication to happen, ways to diffuse things, and hopefully provide some really practical info to give people to, to try in their next uh, conversation. Yep. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm.